Well, good morning, Community Church. Are we ready to worship the Lord today? Amen. That's why we're here. Well, we want to welcome everybody to Community Church. Everybody watching online, we want to welcome you this morning as well. If this is your first time, a special welcome to you. Uh, We just pray that God would touch you and bless you in a powerful way today. And so this morning, as you come into the house, let me tell you something as well. We are trusting it's only going to get better as we seek the Lord. The Word says in Matthew, this is a promise. Seek me and you will find me. So this morning, as we come into worship, let's choose to seek Him. Because the promise this morning is this. You will find Him. Can we do that today? Let's pray. So, Father God, we come into your house. We say thank you for who you are, for what you've done in our lives. You are worthy of your worship this day. We come into this house putting all things aside, choosing to honor you because you are a good God, full of love, full of generosity, full of healing, full of life. And today we choose to honor you because you are so good. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's worship him. You know, that last song we sang, there's a lot of power in the words. And it's true. There's nothing that He will not do for us. He will kick every door down. He will do whatever it takes. But as I was singing that today, the challenge in my heart was this. Is that am I willing to kick every door down? Am I willing to kick everything out of my way? to go after Him. Because there's two sides to this. He challenges us to seek Him, and He will be found. So we're going to go back into this for two or three minutes, and I'm going to challenge us now to actually give Him everything we have, to kick everything out of the way, every distraction, every wall, every issue, every problem, And just to say, I'm coming after you, Lord. I'm coming after you, Lord. I'm coming after you. So can we stand to our feet for three minutes? Can we give him everything we have? Can we do this as a church? Let's give him everything we have now. All right? Kick the distractions down. In Jesus' name, let's honor him. He is worth our everything. This is just a small token we're giving today. Just a small token. He is worth our everything. And we just declare that right now. Jesus, you are worth our everything. You are worth our everything. There is a deepness that we need to learn how to walk into where we can give Him everything, every moment of every day. That's what He's asking for. And I can tell you something. All that other stuff gets taken care of when we begin to pursue Him with everything in us. Amen? Okay, let's not rush anywhere at the moment. The Lord is in His holy temple. more than anything else this morning connect with the presence of God 
protocols can go to the side where the spirit of the Lord is present and he's leading you go where he goes. You say what he says. Oh God, we bless you. Oh God, we bless you. (sighs) So Holy Spirit, we again in this moment yield ourselves. We yield this time to you. We say do whatever you desire. Do whatever pleases you. Clothe me with what you desire to do in this moment, God. Clothe us as we hear the word of the Lord. And just so you know, beyond what I say, in the air already, swirling around, there are the words of the Lord. They're like burning gold in the air. Whatever they touch will have life imparted to it. So if you're listening to the sermon and you get it, great. If you find something else that he's saying in the midst of it, grab it. The word of the Lord is life, okay? I'm going to do my best to navigate in the midst of all this. Let me tell you, I have never been under pressure and war around a word like I have on this. So if you see me start to stumble and you start to see my humanity, your job is pray, okay? We need to understand the context that we live in, okay? There's a lot going on in the world right now. There's a lot of chaos. There's a lot of fear. There's mass disruption of the way we live and the things that we expect. But it didn't start there. So let's go back. Genesis 1, 26 to 28. God's just made man. And he commissions man. I'm sure you know it. You've heard it. After he's made man in his image, be fruitful, multiply, spread out and fill the earth, subdue it. What happens right after that? Welcome to chapter 3. Snakes. I hate snakes. A rebel from the heavenly court gets into the garden and deals with Adam and Eve. Sin's introduced into the world. Death is introduced. Adam and Eve are sent out of Eden. Now, you've got to be aware, Eden had geographical boundaries, and the Lord said, fill the earth. Subdue something that's outside Eden that's already subdued. So there's going out, okay? Get that in you? There's a going out. So they get sent out. And they start to be fruitful and they start to multiply. Welcome to Genesis chapter 6. We don't touch on this one very often. It's interesting. Then the sons of God looked at the daughters of men, desired them, took women as they so chose, had children with them. The result is the Nephilim. And conveniently, an explosion in sin. To the point where the Lord says, for the first time in Scripture, every impulse that they have is wicked. All day long, all they think about, it's wicked. What happens next? The flood. We're going to start again. The enemy got in, messed up what God wanted to do. Trouble. So the flood happens. Noah and his family are set aside. They get out of the ark after everything else has been wiped out. And the Lord repeats the same commission that he gave to Adam and Eve. Be fruitful. Multiply. Spread out over the earth. Subdue it. So the people start to be fruitful and multiply. They don't spread out. What do they do? They build a city with a tower. All together, let's reach into heaven. We're going to access God on our terms. 
The Lord comes down to take a look at the tower, look at the city, sees they're all in one accord, they're with one language. Okay, we've got to do something about this. So he introduces the separation. Divides them up, different nations, different tongues. And I'm jumping to Deuteronomy 32 for a moment. Verse 8. When the Most High gave the nations their inheritance, when he divided up all mankind, he set up borders for the people according to the number of the sons of God. So the sons of God were the ones that came down, had interaction with the daughters of men. The sons of God in the Old Testament is a term that refers to the angels. They're angels who got involved where they shouldn't have. It starts with the first rebel that we call Satan. Satan's not his real name, by the way. It's a title. The accuser. So at the Tower of Babel, the Lord, seeing the cycles repeating, divides up humanity and assigns them to sons of God. What does that look like? Well, suddenly these nations have different gods. But verse 9, the Lord's portion is his people. Jacob is his allotted inheritance. So, okay. You want to do things on your terms? We're going to spread it out. Everybody gets a shot. The sons of God, you get assigned these guys, these guys, these guys, these guys. Israel's mine. At this point, Israel's not a nation. Israel's not even a person yet. So in, in Daniel, you'll read things like Daniel's praying and the answer is resisted for 21 days. Why? Because the prince of Persia got in the way, delayed things. You can't have an answer because one of the sons of God got in the way. One of the sons of God, you know, the troublemakers, got in the way. You've got an adversary who's in the way. A different prince had to rise up to fight that guy. Michael, the prince of Israel, had to clear the airspace there so that an answer to prayer could get through. An angel was coming with the answer, and Michael cleared the air finally so that he could get through to Daniel. And the angel lets him know, look, we're dealing with the prince of Persia now. When I leave, the prince of Greece is coming. So you've got foreign nations with foreign powers over them. And from here on in, the history of Israel... Oh, I'm not even going to jump there yet. So the Lord (laughs) is like, I'm going to make a people of my own. So who does he choose? Perfect couple. Elderly and can't have kids. (laughs) I mean, you've got to make it distinct. This is Yahweh's people because... They couldn't do it on their own, okay? So they have a kid. And the Lord says the same general mandate to Abraham. Your offspring are going to be like the stars in the heaven. There are going to be so many. There's going to be kings and kingdoms that come out of you. And they're going to populate the earth. They're going to be all over the place. So you have this repetition of get out into the earth. And each time there's an adversary waiting to try and do something about it. And we've had tons of Sunday school and whatnot that tell us the stories down through the ages of Israel. Constant trouble. Constantly warfare. 
idolatry constantly. Why? Because Yahweh's people are his treasure, and the enemy wants to hurt them. Foreign armies. Oh, here's a fun detail, too. So the sons of God come down, daughters of men, offspring are the Nephilim. So years later, hundreds of years later, when Israel's finally ready to come out of Egypt and go take Canaan, who do they run into? The Nephilim. Who happened to just be standing on the land that the Lord promised? Weird coincidence, right? The adversary standing right where your promise is. Didn't change the commission at all. Now, I wrote a note here that was interesting. And then I'm going to ask Michael to come up because something really interesting happened. The note that I wrote was about idolatry in Israel. And why is this so important? And the Lord said, because it's an access point inside the borders. Worship is an access point. Then Michael comes to me this morning before everything starts. I don't think he knows that I'm speaking. We didn't talk about what the subject was. What did you tell me, Michael? Um, So last night, a bunch of us went to this thing called Resurgence, which is just like a worship night. And the guy who spoke there was talking about meditating on the word. And he just gave this analogy. He's like, what is meditation? Like, we don't really know what that is. But it's like, does anyone in this room have fear? And everyone kind of put their hand up. It's like, you know how to meditate. You're just meditating on the wrong word. That's it. So you put your time and your attention and your focus on something. That's idolatry. Now, I have a personal story about exactly that idea that I wrote in here. Roughly a decade ago. Would have been 2010, I guess. My natural bent is I love knowledge. And if I can find out secrets, I really want the secrets. One night, trolling on YouTube. YouTube is full of all sorts of wisdom and goodness, just so you know. (laughs) I'm trolling on YouTube, and I'm looking for, you know, just interesting information. And I stumble into the conspiracy theories conspiracies about governments and conspiracies about the end of the world and secret cabals and all this kind of stuff. And the mind is going, yeah, 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 this is so good. I want Laurie. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then I felt the hook set. You ever been there? You reached for the cheese and then you hear snap. So for a year, the spirit of fear was on me. I would wake up in the night, heart pounding. I would lay awake for hours at night because the mind wouldn't stop. Terrified. Terrified. What's going to happen? It's coming. Whatever. Couldn't control it. For a year, praying. God, that was so dumb. Get me out of this one. Oh, please get me out of this one. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Really, Change it. Please change it. And the turning point was a tsunami. 2011. Remember when Japan got hit? I'm looking at the destruction. I'm looking at the video and stuff. I'm like, wow, this is amazing. And then the Lord used that 
to say, all the plans of man suddenly washed away, huh? And I went, huh? And then I heard in my spirit, he's playing a deep game. And I realized, God's in control. Doesn't matter who's scheming, doesn't matter who's plotting, doesn't matter what they're up to, doesn't matter the agreements they make, doesn't matter the resources they set aside, God is in control. When he said that to me, my heart went free. Okay? My heart went free. Would have been better if I hadn't got caught, but, you know, sometimes dumb can't be helped. My story was written in the notes before Michael brought this up. Interesting. We're just going to take it as confirmation. Keep going. By the way, the stuff in the prayer room, the hour before we got in here, praying the secrets of my heart, Derek particularly, I walk in and I'm under the weight of this thing and I'm like, oh, God, help me. The first thing that he's praying, literally the words I'd been asking, and I said to my wife, There is an intimidation facing me down right now. The first thing Derek prays is, let there be a breaking of intimidation. Let there be a liberty for the sons of God. And I'm like, oh, I will take that. The Lord knows what he's doing. Okay? Doesn't matter if there's an enemy. Doesn't matter if there's trouble. Doesn't matter if there's sickness. So Israel's history is this cycle. Wars, idolatry, trouble, revival, complacency. And it goes on for centuries. And then there's this interesting moment in history. This moment sets off a civil war in heaven. Revelations 12. A great sign appears in heaven. A woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and a crown of 12 stars on her head. She's pregnant, cried out in pain as she's about to give birth. Then another sign appears, an enormous red dragon with seven heads, ten horns, And this woman gave birth to a son, a male child, who will rule all the nations with an iron scepter. And that description of that child comes from Psalm 2. It's a messianic psalm. Revelations 12 is about the appearance of the Son of God. What set off the civil war? God personally decided to set foot on Israel, but he did it in a way that was entirely unexpected. Stripped of divinity, stripped of his power, he shows up as a baby. And something about that set off the war in heaven. The dragon and his angels, you read in the rest of of Revelations 12, they start fighting like mad. Michael and his angels rise up They fight back, and it says the dragon was thrown down along with his angels to the earth because there was no longer a place found for them in heaven. At the same time that's happening, Luke chapter 2. Shepherds out in the field, watching their flocks by night, when suddenly the angel of the Lord appears, and great glory shone around them, and they were sore afraid. You know... They were, in Greek, it was, 
They were fearfully fearful. There was double phobia, okay? Too, like, terrified. And beyond just the angel of the Lord, then a multitude of angels erupts in there. And they're glorifying God, right? They're saying glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace and goodwill to men on whom his favor rests. Israel is occupied by Rome at this point. I mean, that's, that's the middle of trouble if you're Israel. And somehow a baby showing up is going to be helpful. And there's the initial sweep of, you know, the dragon moves Herod, kill every child under two years old. And the Lord sends an angel to Joseph and says, rise up, middle of the night, get out of here. Take the woman and the child, flee to Egypt. Get out of the way. So they do, they escape that part, and they end up basically slipping into obscurity for about 30 years. There's one side story about, I think it's an eight-year-old Jesus at the temple. Everybody's walking home with the caravan. You got the kid, right? Back to Jerusalem. Jesus, what are you doing in the temple? I'm about my father's business. Other than that, it's silent. You don't see anything more. What happened to the baby? Where'd he go? And then, about age 30, it's on. This man starts traveling the countryside, talking about God as a father, saying that the kingdom's coming. He's raising the dead. He's healing the sick. He's driving out demons. Israel is looking for a military deliverance because they're occupied by Rome, and they get a baby who grows up into a preacher. Not what they were expecting. And then we get to the the showdown. And Jesus is being led by the Spirit out into the wilderness, faces down the accuser. You know the story? You're hungry, huh, Jesus? Well, if you're the Son of God... Make that bread, stones into bread. No. Okay. Takes him to the top of the temple. If you're the son of God, jump off. Your angels are given charge over you. You'll be fine. Show everybody who you are. Don't put the Lord to your test. Okay. All right. And then here's where it gets real. Satan throws the cards on the table. Here it is. All in. If you will bow down and worship me, I will give you all the kingdoms of the world. Those are the two things that both sides want the most. Satan is so desperate to be recognized. He wanted the throne of God. He wanted to be above everything. He wanted the worship. But he touched the spot deepest in the heart of God, said, I'll give you back the world. And in that moment, there is the option for Jesus to take the deal, avoid the cross, take the easy way out, get everything that he wanted, but he cannot give worship to anyone but God. Can't do it. And we know the rest of the story. We know the whipping. We know the crucifixion. We know the body of the Son of God put into a borrowed tomb. But what was not expected 
was what the resurrection would do. And it's interesting that after Jesus rose from the grave, Matthew 28, 18, then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go, make disciples of all nations, baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. What the resurrection did was let Jesus get outside the boundaries of being a single man inside one nation. Suddenly, the Son of God can be in multiple people simultaneously doing the stuff that he was doing. This is the solution. John 1.12, As many as believed on his name were granted authority to become children of God. Therefore, remember... Oh, this is verse 11. Formerly, you who were Gentiles by birth and called uncircumcised, remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of promise, without hope, without God. But now in Christ, you who were far away have been brought near. For th- I'm skipping down to 18 now. For through him we both have access to the Father by one Spirit. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but you are fellow citizens with God's people and members of his household. You've become the children of God with the Holy Ghost at work inside you, and you are now the answer to the problem. Why did I lay all that as this is that's the backdrop? Why did I lay all that as the backdrop? Because the family business is take over the earth. The family's business is take over the earth. And at least in the Western church, by and large, we've wanted to stay inside the walls. We've wanted God to bless us, make us healthy, wealthy, and wise, keep us safe from all the bad guys. Sorry about those other guys out there. Somebody should do something. The family business is the whole world, okay? Now, why am I hitting this now? Because you won't know who you are until you figure out who you are against that backdrop. The church is in the kingdom, but the church is not the entirety of the kingdom. Everybody's got a place in the kingdom. Not everybody's got a place in the church. Too many people have been looking for a place and a title and a responsibility inside the church, and not enough's been happening out there. Now, I got to tell you, here's a real-world story, because some of the most fun God encounters I've had are not in here. I told one story to the, the prophetic class on Tuesday Two unbelievers on a construction site. Just a quick paraphrase because there was 40 people there. They heard it, whatever, and that's half the room here. Two guys who were not saved. We're just talking about spirit things, and they're like, wow, what's that all about? And I'm like, do you want to hear God? They're like, yeah. You can do that? Yeah, you can do that. Okay, simple prophetic exercise. Okay, we're going to ask God, show us a fruit. I get this picture of this guy as a fruit. He's a pineapple. 
I say it, and his, his cousin turns out, bam, 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 starts hitting, bam, bam, bam. Tell him. Tell him. Tell him. Growing up, his father had called him something like my pineapple. Like, I don't know that. The Lord knows that. But I'm telling you, that little word, and those two guys got saved. Okay? Now, that's just fun. I mean, another time, and this is construction work site, right? This isn't like he got Holy Ghost time and he got worship music on in the background, whatever. There's hammer drills. and I mean, there's another time, another coworker comes up. I got to go home. I got a migraine. He's not a believer. I'm like, take your hard hat off and lean over here. He's like, what? I re- it looks like this. In the name of Jesus, get off. And his eyes got real big. <laughs> what did you do? Like, it's gone, isn't it? He's like, yeah. And you know that awkward moment where you don't know what to do next? You're just, so that just happened. I'm like, get back to work. <laughs> so he put his hard hat on, he goes back to work, whatever. And he comes back a few hours later, and he's like, it's back. Do the thing again. <laughs> it gets better. I look at him and I say, do it yourself. And he goes, what? I'm like, you saw what I did. So here he is. And you know what it's like when you see pain in people's eyes? You see it. So there he is with pain in his eyes and whatever. And he's like, okay. And he's taking off his hard hat and he puts it under his arm. And he's like, in the name of Jesus, come off. And then he, he looks back at me like, you have got to be kidding me. It's gone. Again, he's like, what is happening? I'm like, God is just showing you that he's real and he cares. He wants in. I think he got saved that day too. So your place might not be in here holding a mic or on a worship team or whatnot. It might be out there. But the power of God and the provision and the protection is all with the assignment. Now, your life will be boring if you do not know where your assignment is. You'll feel lost. You'll feel helpless. You'll feel like, what am I doing? Who am I? Where do I belong? Find your place. And don't look for it so much in here. Now, here's the part where... (sighs) Lord, help me deliver this in the right spirit. Have you ever watched like the the 10,000-meter run at the Olympics. Like 20 or 30 people all start at the same line, and then they all, you know, bang, and they all, right? And then there's this pace, right? And the whole pack's running together because nobody wants to go first, nobody wants to be last, and they're all going together and whatnot. And they will do like eight kilometers out of the 10 kilometers or whatever it is, lap after lap after lap after lap. But you know what happens. At some point, somebody changes the pace. And in that moment, the decision has to be made by everybody running. Match, beat, or wait. And what I feel in the spirit, the pace is about to change, okay? The pace is about to change. The intensity of what's going on around us is about to change. And there's a decision that goes with that. And there's a challenge coming to the body, the family, the resources and the promises are available, but get ready, the pace is about to change. 
And you have got to decide what you're going to do with that. Because the middle ground is shrinking. Okay? The neutral zone, it's going away. The family business is the Great Commission, and your identity and everything else is lined up with your part in it. And the Father is desperately trying to get to the people who haven't been reached yet. Now, I'm not an evangelist. I'm not super excited about the going out part, but I do love when the Spirit of God is moving. If He's moving and it's out there, okay, let's go do it. So, don't lean into the fear side of, oh, I don't know, now I might have to talk to somebody. Listen, get before God, get this stuff sorted out, figure out His love. You might be the one who has to go reach the one lost one. You might be the one who's running up a mountain. You might be the one kicking down a wall. Okay? That means your schedule is no longer yours. Your entertainment is no longer yours. Your pleasure is no longer yours. You were bought with a price. You're in the family, and the family business is go. Says I'm... Wait, okay. Holy Spirit's about to start pressing down on the hearts of some people that he's been talking to you about this already. And he wants to do something with the intimidation about talking about God. He wants to give you language for how to discuss it. He wants to give you confirming signs. You were picked for this moment in time in this place. You were picked for Canada. You were picked for your network in society, whether it's education or construction or business or whatever. You were picked and placed there. You have a mandate in the social network that you're connected to. You have a responsibility. And this is the weight of the word to me. We're going to be asked about this. Each of us, we're going to be asked about this. So don't shrink from the weight of that pressing on your heart and make a decision. I'm going to lean into what you want to do, God. Mark 16, 15. He said to them, go into all the world. Preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. And these signs will accompany those who believe. See, here's the promise. You're going out there. You're talking about him. You're sharing the message. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. They will drink deadly poison, and it won't hurt them. They will place their hands on sick people, and they'll recover. That's a sampling. I gave you some of my samples. So when Tareen's talking about the night watch coming up here in the winter, what does it look like if the Lord wants to show up there? Are you ready to be on call for 3 a.m. because the Lord has somebody that he wants to reach? Find your opportunity to get plugged in. Whether it's with the poor, we've got some programs and things that are happening around here. Sure, you can talk to... But get in the game. The Father's heart is get in the game. Get in the game. 
You know me. You know what I can do. You've seen me do it. Get in the game. And so here's what's coming. Acts 1.8. But you will receive power when the Holy Ghost comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So if you feel like you don't have it and you're not ready, make space for the Holy Ghost. Lean into the Holy Ghost. Get past the stuff that's in the way. Put stuff aside. It's time to get ready for the pace to quicken. Put some weight down. Put down some of the distractions. Make room for the Holy Ghost. Because I tell you, when that, when that, when that pack separates, it'll be really hard to try and catch up. Hebrews thirteen twenty. Now, may the God of peace who through the blood of the eternal covenant brought back from the dead our Lord Jesus, that great shepherd of the sheep. May he equip you with everything good for doing his will. May he work in us what is pleasing to him through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So, Father, I pray that in the coming days and weeks, as people start leaning in, and saying, okay, I'm willing. Okay, I'm willing. As they start making room in their schedules, as they start putting stuff down, as they start chasing you more, like we sang, God, I'm asking for divine encounters. I'm asking that you reveal who you are and you change our nature. I'm asking that you take clay and you give silver and gold. I'm asking God for moments in prayer and moments in worship where we discover who you are and we discover who we are with you. God, I'm asking in the name of Jesus for a release of anointing, a release of gifting, a release of power to accompany the assignment. God, I'm asking that you start showing us where we fit. Where do we serve? The number one name that the Lord reveals in Scripture is God of the angel armies. Yahweh Sebaoth. So, Lord, I'm asking for angels. Help us on our assignments, God. Help us break from the the ties and the snares and the distractions. Help us, God. We want to be used and useful. We want to be filled to overflowing. We want to be sons and daughters who are fully aware of how to move with the Holy Ghost. God, I'm asking for breakthroughs in the lives of children, the children of God. Let there be breakthroughs where strongholds break and lies are diffused and fear is routed, intimidation is shattered. God, I'm asking. I'm asking for a roaring bride. I'm asking for children like lions. God, I'm asking for brave men and women. I'm asking for worshipers to be released, God, who dance like David, who pray all night, who give like they're a billionaire, who serve like they got a whole staff of maids. God, I'm asking for a people that are marked by the presence of God, that can do the impossible. Break off of the limits, God. Break off the limits. Break off the limits of what's possible. Break off the limits of what we can have and what we can do. 
look back at the world for a second. What is the number one thing that you see with people? They're trying to figure out, what is my identity? What is my value? Where do I belong? And the enemy is messing with it so hard. We've got the answer. Go and tell the sons of God who they are. Go invite them to a kingdom. Demonstrate the gospel. I don't know what else to do, so I'm giving the mic over. (laughs) I think that's a timely word. You know, he had a lot of things to say in there, you know that are hopefully impact us in a powerful way, you know, because here's the reality. We, we need all this. We do all this. We worship God. But if this was all stripped away, what do we have left? Everything. Everything. Because we still have Jesus. It doesn't matter if this is gone. Everything we need is right here. The kingdom of God is... It's within us, right? Right here. And I appreciate what you said about the intimidation. Cam's a good speaker. He's spoken many times here, right? But still, that intimidation can creep in. And that intimidation can cause you to check out, right? But the only way to overcome that intimidation was to get up here and speak. That same intimidation is what the enemy uses night and day, to shut us down from functioning in the callings and the giftings that he's placed in us. That's his master plan, to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what he wants to do. But we have to choose to do is by faith, in a sense, step up to the mic. By faith, talk to that coworker. By faith, Talk to that random person in Walmart. You know, Kareen came up to me a few weeks ago, and she has been sharing with me left and right about this group, this study she wants to start. It's all on evangelism, right? And, I mean, it's, it's, it's all about a script that they go and they share with the lost. And I know you've seen many people get saved, right? I'm telling you, this is not the easiest thing to do. But it is necessary. She has seen souls get saved, but I'm sure she has seen the opposite end of it too. This is her calling. What God has called her to do, she is choosing to say yes. So what's important for all of us to do, and he said it, and I'm going to ask the worship team to come up. And as we go into this, just for a couple minutes, ask him. Cam prayed that. Ask him. What does it look like for you? Because I believe this. I feel it. Callings are going to kick in. Now. The season is upon us. Ministries are going to start up all over the place, and they're not just going to be started by me, Ken, Mark. It's going to be you guys because the body of Christ is going to function. The body of Christ is going to be released. Remember? Train, equip, and release. It's going to pop up all over. 
we need to be asking the Lord the right questions. What does it look like? So as we go into a bit of a time of worship here, I just want you, before we close, just spend the next couple minutes, ask him, what's it look like? I just love how powerful the word of God is. And I love that sometimes, even in the middle of something that you think is something else, God's saying something uh, to us directly. And I want to just read what Cam, Cam read us from a benediction. It's a closing, right? It's, it's the thing that you do to bless people as they're leaving. It's a benediction. And yet, and yet, there's a, there's a truth in it that is absolutely critical for us to embrace today. I don't know how many of you have, have heard, you know, this, what Cam spoke this morning and your, 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 your heart was stirred. Your heart was stirred, and yet you felt, but I just don't know how to do that. I don't, I don't know. I, I just, I feel ill-equipped. That's the word that came to me, was ill-equipped. I feel like, you know, isn't that the church's job to prepare us? Shouldn't we have classes for evangelism, and shouldn't we have, you know, you know a course that, that, that brings us through, you know, the four spiritual laws and exactly how we, how we lead somebody to Christ? And, and you know what? All those things, they're great. That they are. But let me tell you something. Yes, yes, the fivefold ministry is for the equipping of the saints. That's true. But guess what? That's only one path. So let's read again the benediction out of Hebrews 13, <clears throat> starting verse 20. Uh, I'm reading from ESV, so I, I don't know if it'll be the same there. But now, may the God of peace, who brought again from the dead, resurrected, our Lord Jesus, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will working in us, that which is pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. So if you feel ill-equipped, just ask God. He equips us. He's the one who will give you the words. He's the one who will give you the opportunity and the words. In fact, there's a place where he says, if you're called before the courts, don't even plan what you're going to say. He will give you the words that you need to have. You don't have to have it all figured out. Now may the God of peace who brought again from the dead, our Lord Jesus Christ, the great shepherd of the sheep, by the blood of the eternal covenant, equip you with everything good that you may do his will. Amen. 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 You are all dismissed this morning. Thank you so much for, for joining your spirits together this morning. In Jesus' name, go with God.